Wrestling Nerds Radio Network presents The Golden Guys. Thank you for being a nerd. Hosted by Rick the Sussman Sussman and Maximus Chad Once again, everybody, I am uh, Maximus Chad Allen. That is Rick the Sussman Sussman. Uh, we are two members of the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. Uh, from uh, the IndyCast and uh, obviously both the Reed Pile and Team Hammerfist Power Hour, respectively, uh, and we'd like to welcome you to our live uh, to our live broadcast. We're trying something new today uh, to see how it works and to see if anybody is actually interested in seeing us in person do this. Um, you're getting a very weird glimpse of like my my room right now, so welcome. Nice sleep welcome. bed you got there. Is that mahogany? It, it's a, it is it is a very I don't know what the wood is but it is a very nice it's a very nice setup I won't lie um, <laughs> this is this is this is where the magic used to happen oh uh, oh. oh well that's a that's a whole that's a whole nother thing that's a whole nother story <laughs> for another day um, our our story for today though is we are here to talk about uh, the Undertaker versus Yokozuna. Casket match from Royal Rumble 1994, the year I graduated from high school. So I feel really fucking old, uh, even saying that out loud. But that is indeed the case of when I graduated. Um, so yeah, that is uh, that is what we are going to be discussing today. Uh, Rick, why don't you tell everybody kind of why we decided to pick this random match to return the Golden Guys back to the airwaves? Well, for starters, you and I were both very angry at Jesse Long for being a louse and not actually doing anything. So we decided to show him up. Uh, <laughs> one of the youngest members of our group and can't find the time to uh, talk to his buddy without getting a express written consent from his adult that keeps him on lock and key. And yes, That's right. I'm going, I will try and bury one of my best friends as much as humanly possible. <laughs> because if I don't, it wouldn't be true to form. We decided to do this because... The Golden Guys concept initially was things that we remembered. Oh, speaking of, there is Jesse now. Things that we remembered as kids that you and I both agreed upon at the time were incredibly important or just sort of watershed moments that had to be relived as, as we are um, follically challenged these days. We'll right. Say, how about, how yes. about that? Um, and what that meant to us uh, now that we are such older smart marks and all right. of our and all of our chicanery and and what comes to mind of course when you know we started with with the original uh hogan over a sheik for the title win and then we right. had a, a couple other d- uh, different shows but ultimately one of those memories without question is taker versus yoko and what happened <laughs> the elder statesman uh he's such a gentleman that one um but what happened with Taker versus Yoko? I remember watching this. Now, I I would I did the thing where I would watch uh, I would go to Blockbuster with my dad right. every week, and I would get to rent one thing. It was whatever it wanted, and I made a run of every uh, Coliseum mm-hmm. video I could find, and I finally got to Undertaker Yoko casket match. Now, I remember as a kid. I wasn't really into the WWF. I was a WCW kid, you know, that everyone okay. knows that. 
So when I watched this for the first time, it really was the first time I saw it. Right. This was, as a child, one of the stupidest fucking things I ever saw in my life. <laughs> and I loved every second of it. And yes. as an adult, I had to see, does this hold? Right. And that probably is the biggest thing as it pertains to the Golden Guys is old guys watching stuff we remember from when we were younger and does it hold up. And I think that's probably the, the litmus test of if it passes the Golden Guys uh, episode here. And um, I'll be very interested to see your thoughts. I can tell you right now, just so you can see. I oh, my God. And a half. Oh, my God. I went Lord. to the back. Uh, yeah, I took a lot of notes while watching this, and uh, I can't wait to go through. Because there, well, I, I, I got to admit, so um, I did get to, and I watched a little bit of the the beginning of the, um, as as much as I could of the beginning of the actual, because this is from Royal Rumble 94. And you got to remember, it's 1994, and I can tell you where I was when, when I watched this. Survivor Series. Or Survivor um, No, Rumble. Are you sure? Oh, no, because, right, no, I'm, I'm looking at a replay of it right now. It's the Survivor Series. No, then that replay you're looking at is wrong because it was definitely because it was definitely a rumble. <laughs> That's hilarious. Hundred percent Royal Rumble, nineteen ninety four. Because the legitimately um, the show itself uh, runs, and, and this is a sign that it was definitely from nineteen ninety four. I think the show itself runs like two and a half hours total, right? Like maybe two hours fifteen, and that's including the Royal Rumble uh, because the last hour of the show is the Rumble. That's the end of it. That That's like the end of the show because Taker was the last match because it was for the world title before they went into the Rumble. Um, I tried oh to watch as, I tried to watch I, as much of the beginning of it as I could and had to shut it off because Vince McMahon, and I talk about this later, is so fucking yeah. annoying as an announcer that I had I immediately, like within three minutes, I started fast forwarding because I just couldn't take it anymore. Um, I just love I love the idea that I accidentally found a different casket match in the last five minutes, and that's right. what I was watching while I was talking to you. That's somehow that's even more ridiculous. I don't know yeah. why, but okay. So, um, but yeah, uh, so we. How far did you just start right at the match, or did you go back a little bit, like for, well, the, so for now, the lead in? Yeah, now I've got the lead in. I've got Yoko coming out. Of course, he had that really classic uh, theme of his that was actually kind of a great. Kind of, oh, I think I may have lost one Rick the Sussman Sussman midway through that. So hopefully he will rejoin us in a second. Um, while I'm waiting to see if Rick comes back, everybody, actually one of the things that uh, we were take, I was taking a look at that uh, I will talk about briefly here uh, was the fact that um, the promos that they did beforehand. I don't know if Rick actually watched the promos at all. It sounds like he was talking immediately about the intro. Uh, but the promos b beforehand were absolutely amazing. Um, and by amazing, I mean possibly the most horrendous things I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, he talks at one point, uh, Undertaker, actually, because this is obviously heading into Royal Rumble. So the buildup was through Christmas and into New Year's and things like that because they had a bunch of promos of him just uh, building the casket, the double-wide, double-deep casket that he was going to need for Yokozuna to um to bury him alive obviously and uh lines like uh merry christmas yokozuna ho 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 from the undertaker uh and things like that are were absolutely just hysterical yokozuna's facial expressions are absolutely amazing as he's watching these promos 
Um, so yeah, definitely something to, to look out for. I'm going to check. So, um, but what I was uh, talking a little bit about Rick, when you got lost there for a little bit was, uh, actually you were, you were talking about Yokozuna's intro coming into the ring. Um, yes. but I was talking to the promos beforehand. Um, oh, did you right. get to watch any of the promos previous to that? No, I, I don't oh. know. I genuinely don't know the build to this match. I've never bothered looking into it. So That's it was, story. yeah, it was, it was, I, I, they were feuding. I don't. It, Undertaker was trying to win the title because this is a title match. Obviously, Yokozuna is the world champion. Um, uh, Undertaker basically gets a. You know, they agree to the contract. Uh, Jim Cornette thinks he's like snuck something sneaky in to make it a one-time only match between them. And then Paul Bearer gets the contract and sneaks a sneaky in. That sure it'll only be one time, but the one match we're going to have is going to be a casket match. Uh, and that's kind of how they got to this point. The great part is because this is leading up to the Rumble, uh, there is um, lead up through Christmas and New Year's. Um, so most of the buildup to this actually was Undertaker in this like old school like shed type situation, um, m- building this double wide, double deep casket that he right. was going to need that he was going to need for Yokozuna because Yoko obviously wasn't going to fit in the regular casket. Um, yes. So they they have this double wide double D, and it's him like woodworking building this through promos, um, <laughs> and and some of the great like one of my favorite lines and one of the ones that the first thing I wrote down was legitimately the Undertaker ended one promo with "Merry Christmas, Yokozuna." Ho, 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 and that's how the promo ended. And it's the greatest thing in the world. First off, and and this is also like t- top like time frame, um, Undertaker with Paul Bearer, uh, who's right. in like full crazy creep mode, which is absolutely wonderful. Um, the promos are ridiculously awesome. You should definitely rewind back and go watch them. Uh, they're only a couple minutes beforehand. Um, even my five year old at one point looked up and went, "Daddy, who's that?" And I had to explain who Paul Bearer was. Uh, <laughs> and then and then she just went. Uh, Daddy, he's he's creepy, and it's like, uh, yeah, no, that you're not wrong, kiddo. He he is indeed creepy. That's the whole idea. Yeah. So um, this explains why in the crowd they zoom in on a uh, Undertaker, you know, rest in peace, Yoko tombstone that has Christmas lights all around it. So now exactly, exactly. By the way, whoever just said they like Vince McMahon as an announcer, I'm sorry, we'll have to debate that later. Um, but. Uh, yeah, the, the the greatest part about the promos, and another reason I recommend to go back and watch them, is Yokozuna's facial expressions throughout the uh, throughout the promos, uh, because they're showing the promos in the arena. Because Yoko has probably just fought a match, or who knows what, are absolutely amazing. His like scared shitless face is oh, the yeah, greatest yeah. thing on the planet. Well, his facials during the actual match, like I'm watching, yes. well, I'm at the part now where where Taker just turned the lights back on. And Yoko, you know, is just looking around, going, "Man, eh, I, I, I don't, I don't know about this," which is hilarious right. because you know that he's in on the scheme, right? Like he has to, be, right? Right. right. So, is, is he just pretending to be scared here, or is he really just kind of scared in general? But he forgot that he's going <laughs> to screw the Undertaker. Well, who was it that I, I saw an interview with somebody recently, and I wish I could remember who the hell it was, but they had actually said that the Undertaker when you're getting ready to fight the undertaker, no matter how much you've worked with him beforehand and talked about what you're going to do in the match and things like that, 
the second you're out in the ring and that bell goes off, that you're still you're you turn into a kid. You're scared again um, yeah, because it I mean, because it's because it's you know because it's the Undertaker. Um, yeah. So that's definitely one of those things that you have to kind of you know kind of look out for. It's it's really weird that way. Um, yeah, Undertaker popping out of the. Um, uh, there's one part uh, also in one of the promos. That's the other thing I want to mention before we get to the actual match itself. There was one where uh, Yokozuna was the, the casket got rolled out um, during an interview with them, and Mr. Fuji told, um, "Did he invent the tweener? Well, could be interesting Taker question. Both Taker and uh, Yoko could lay claim. Could have been either. Yeah. yeah, I think Taker. Taker. Might, I, there's got to be another tweener before then. Don't worry, I'll I'll really nerd this up in a second. And the, you know what? Some, somebody, somebody like Bruiser Brody probably is your original tweener because he was a guy that they brought in as a bad guy and constantly got cheered. Um, Flair is another one, Flair, uh, obviously. Flair, that Flair, Flair had actually been the original tweener because in Car- in the Carolinas, Flair was always over. And True. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we're we're off topic, but that's a, that's a, yeah. That's but a topic for another but day. um, but there's a wonderful promo where uh they they roll the casket the big casket down to ringside. Uh, Fuji tells uh, Yoko squash it, Squ- break the casket, squash it. So Yoko's kind of like full of himself now and is going to go out to squash the casket. And for some reason, though, goes to open it. Which why would you open it if you, you were you going to just like <laughs> hop inside for a ride or something? Um, but uh, but no, he uh, he he goes to open the casket. Of course, Taker's in there and swings yeah. the lid open. Yoko does the greatest like backpedal off of his feet out of the ring and he did it um so so like for a guy his size he was so light on his damn feet it is scary yeah. how how like scary oh, ag- yeah, okay. agile he was it's um, funny it's funny you mentioned that because i was one of the notes that i had very early on in the match yoko takes a a bump uh, off the the ring steps and you know like taker slams his head into it and in yes. two steps Yoko goes bounce, bounce, grabs the bottom rope and flings himself in in one fluid motion in a, in a yes. blink and you miss it moment. And you you forget that this guy really could move around the ring. You just, yes. you just don't remember. And he and he actually had one a little previously. Um, uh, we'll talk about Bam Bam in a little bit. Somebody mentioned Bam Bam Bigelow being insane yeah. for his size. We'll talk about him because he comes up later, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, no, he, he, has an, he has another spot um, under uh, Yokozuna does where um, Undertaker, like, hit him with, like, the big shovel uppercut or whatever, and Yoko legitimately went through the ropes, like, down, through the ropes, and landed on his feet outside the ring. And I think that's just yep. before he took before he took the, ta- the, the, chair, the um, step shot you're talking about here. Yep. And I remember, like, watching him, like, holy shit, how did he, like, how did he make that work? But he, he did. So it's his agility is... Second to none. Um, uh, also, since we're going kind of into the match now, um, first off, a little slightly still before match, Undertaker has never made it to the ring so fast as he did in that in that uh, for this match here. Yeah, um, it just felt like it was like done in seconds, which is amazing because obviously his his intro later became like an hour long affair. But well, yeah, um, you, you you came for the opera, you didn't necessarily come for the operetta, <laughs> right? So, um, what else? Uh, Yoko's going through the ropes and landing on his feet. Um, uh, Yoko grabs a chair at one point and um, tries to hit the Undertaker with it, who grabs it, um, hits him in the back once, which I expected. 
Right. Um, but then blasts him right in the, right on the top of the head. Um, <laughs> completely unprotected, straight right onto the head. It was like, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. This was the 90s. We could get away with that then. Uh, oh, you know, I uh, just got to, uh, so, so I'm watching the match as you're, as you're retelling it. Yoko not only takes that bump where he falls onto his feet, but he runs right into the ring post and just nobody remembers. Right. Like, this guy is going out of his shoes for The Undertaker as much as he right. possibly can. Well, here's my better question, too, though. Can we figure out exactly why? I, okay, so he spilled out of the ring. He landed on his feet. Why did he go for the? Why did he go for the, the the corner post? I think he just stumbles. Like he was trying to say that the force of his falling out of the ring uh, waylaid him so much that he fell into the ring post on top. Of okay. Him. Well, all right. Go with it. Uh, it, it. That did. That definitely was something I had down here that made no sense to me. It's like, why did he? stumble and then hit the ring post that made no sense but okay <laughs> um yeah and then like i said you'll see the unprotected chair shot to the head in a second which does yeah. lead into w- one of my favorite things in the world uh which is um mr fuji's infamous salt to the eyes oh, um, of course now Before now this one uh this is wonderful this one i love uh because this actually looked like salt uh or at right. least something more granular uh, for years, Mr. Fuji used to use the salt, but it was definitely like baby powder. You could tell it was like baby powder. But the the, rep, the like the announcers would have to serve it like, oh, salt in the eyes. It's like, what salt have you ever used that like powders up like that? This is so you, well. You neglected to to uh, inform the audience that after the unprotected metal chair shot, the Undertaker for some reason hits Yoko in the head with a plastic chair. Reasons yeah, he- unknown. He yeah he picked he picked up like a, a plastic school it looked like a school chair yes, yes like one of the chairs that, like you know so it's like why why did you where did that come from what class did why you just that? interrupt so uh, yeah and there's the salt of the eyes and Tager starts swinging wildly and eight people yep. in the front row freak out and it's uh, what, really funny what's really funny when you're watching this is how short of a time it takes for this to go from a traditional match to a no DQ match to hang on, what, what level of insanity have we actually walked into here? Oh, and we haven't even gotten to the insanity yet from what, no. from where you're at right now. I mean, we're in like, so like, cause we've still got like a taker takes a, a chair shot to the head in a little bit, just to continue with the, with like the hard chair shot uh, situation. Cause both, if one was going to take it, the other one might as well. Um, right. Right. Yes. I just um, saw that. And then has Yoko started to try to go through the casket yet? No, no. He's he's pummeling Taker, and he's he's about to go for the casket. Okay, so he's, he's yes. winding up for this. Yes. So he finally he finally makes an attempt for the casket that that um, obviously doesn't go all that well because <laughs> because right. the match isn't over yet. But um, it is it I, is funny to me that he made sure to dump him into back into the ring, and this is not this is not specifically this match. But any kind right. of false count anywhere match, like I love, I love when the match just magically spills back into the ring for no real right. reason. You know. Right, exactly. <laughs> and this one is no different. It does have to spill back into the ring because, sure, why not? Um, well, I believe it's easier to roll him into the casket at this point. True. Right? Yeah, but I, and I think if I remember correctly, when he tried to roll him in this time, like he tried to close the lid while he was still like half in, half out. I'm like, <laughs> what were you? What were you planning on doing there exactly? Do you think you were going to like cut him in half with the door, or you know? Well, the power I, I, of the casket is just so—it's you know—it's it's petrifying to a man like you. Right. Well, and that what, was what, great what, again. 
great part of the promos was all the like the petrified looks from him. Um, uh, there is one point where he he hits uh, Taker with the belly to belly, which I loved his belly to belly. I always thought that was amazing. Um, the invisible bungee cord to re-enter the ring, yeah, pretty much. Always back. <laughs> but um, he does the belly to belly, which I absolutely love. Uh, he, uh, but Taker, of course, immediately sits up because that's you know that was obviously the great time for the sit ups. Um, right. And then at one point, uh, you know, fast forward a little bit, Taker does his first attempt to get Yoko in the casket. One thing that I did notice, um, Yokozuna obviously at this time is probably he's huge obviously there's no question he's five six hundred pounds here no no problem but still probably one of the small uh, interestingly enough for his wwe career one of the smaller times in his wwe career right now um well hang on let me pause you real quick because you gloss over one of the quintessential worst choke slams in the history of professional wrestling well i mean come on how how high do you think how high was yokozuna really going to jump for this one like gravity doesn't come off the mat, Chad. Gra- gra- gravity is a thing, dude. Come on, that's like <laughs> he couldn't get the other foot off the mat, sir. That man is like five hundred pounds. You're lucky you got the one foot off the mat, for Christ's sake. <laughs> so, how dare you? How yeah. dare you speak? So, but uh, uh, but so at one point he dumps Yoko into the casket. Yeah. And looks like he's gonna got him. Gravity, anything, anything worse than Dino Bravo tossing people back into the ring? Uh, possibly. Dino Bravo is a whole nother. We could spend a whole nother episode just on probably on Dino Bravo. But yeah, um, well, but uh, Yoke. Is, hey, ha, da, 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 da. But um, <laughs> it's amazing when he dumps Yoko into that casket. How big that casket must have really been? Because it looks like you can fit a whole nother Yokozuna in that casket. Well, I um, mean, it, yeah, they, they got to, you know, rig it with pyro and smoke later. <laughs> well, also true. So, but it was like, wow, that's a lot of, like, that's a lot going on. A lot of, a lot of room. It's a very roomy casket. Two, so, three, four, five, six, seven. Takes 10 full seconds for him not to close that casket, by the way. Right. Yeah, that's, that's about right. You know, because Taker's got to make it, you know, dramatic. So, and and then, um, and then who comes down first to help his Hawaiian brethren? Right. Um, yeah. Actually, the the list of people that come out first is is very interesting to me because um, okay. I I, <clears throat> I understand. Like looking back, I understand why this why this group came out. So it's Crush. Yes. Who is in his like, uh, like I'm not uh, I'm not Kona Crush. I'm not Demolition Crush. No, he's Kona I'm Crush not, now. No, he's past Kona Crush because Kona Crush oh. was definitely the like super bright colors, Shaka Bra, good guy crush. Oh, and then bad. this is like, this is like, I'm bad guy going back to kind of demolition y, but not really crush. Um, okay. uh, th- and which is before him going to um, uh, WCW and becoming part of, oh God, what was that tag team he had with Adam Bomb? Um, Chronic. Chronic, it was indeed. I knew it was a drug reference. I couldn't remember what though. Um, but Crush, the great Kabuki, yes. Um, Tenru, yes. And then Bam Bam Bigelow, and I'm like, my immediate reaction is, was it at least first? Why the hell 
okay, Crush I can maybe understand because I think he might have been he was managed by Fuji at one point. Yeah, and then there so was the, I, the, the Hawaiian thing, which was actually a part of their gimmick. Right. So, um, but Kabuki and Tenru, I'm like, why were they even there? Why did Ten- so? It's like, okay, it's the Rumble, so they were supposed to be guests for the Rumble. I get that. Um, and then it hit me why they why they came out. It's, it's probably for the dumbest reason whatsoever. Vince McMahon looked in the back and saw that they had two other Japanese guys back there. Oh, God, you're probably right. And said, send them out. <laughs> so so, so that's why Kabuki and Tenru were there. And then Bam Bam Bigelow, because I think he had feuded with The Undertaker before, and he was just big and bad. So at least if you're going to have somebody out there to beat up the take, uh, beat up Taker, you're going to need somebody else like Bam Bam. So, All right. Um, What's your next uh, note? Things get things uh, start incredibly cartoony from this point forward. Yes, uh, Fuji steals the urn. Yeah, but then Paul Bear Paul Bear comes back over sushi for everybody. Okay, there. Um, <laughs> Paul Bear Paul Bear grabs the urn. Paul Bear comes back, grabs the urn, bashes Fuji, bashes yes. Cornette, which yes. nothing has ever made me happier than to watch Jim Cornette go flying, um, <laughs> which. Which, of course, turns the tides back to The Undertaker's favor because he was down for a bit because now Paul didn't have the urn anymore. Right. Um, that then brings out Adam Bomb. J E double F, J A ha ha, double R, E double T, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Jarrett, The Head Shrinkers, and Diesel. Now they're just. Diesel showing up at the end is one of my favorite parts because he's right. completely out of place. Right. It's like Diesel's like, did did, did we need we needed one more big guy? And Vince went, uh, Diesel, just go ahead. Um because I don't think Diesel and the Undertaker had ever crossed paths before. Um uh, but then again, hit Adam Bomb, Jeff Jarrett, or the head shrinkers even. So Yeah, but this go. also proves once and for all that we we know what the most devastating weapon in all of pro wrestling is as well, and and that is the the oaken bucket. Yes, the oaken salt bucket. So, yes, yes. <laughs> like, it got emptied. Might as well use it. So, um, so yeah, they um, so everybody's beaten up Undertaker. Obviously, um, they put Taker in. Look like they're going to close it. Once again, his arm is hanging out, you dum-dums. Right. Push, make sure everything's in. Keep your arms and legs inside the ride at all times, people. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Come on. If you've learned anything from a theme park, arms and legs in, please. Um, Paul Bearer goes down at one point. Uh, he gets knocked out. Yoko grabs the urn, opens it, which is right. a big first. Um, and then it starts pouring smoke out like crazy. Um, which I absolutely love. It's the most gimmicky bullshit in the world, and I absolutely <laughs> completely went crazy now, just like I did back when I was like 17 watching this with all my friends in my living room in Maryland. I guarantee you that's where I was. Um, you know, I, looking at it just in real time, I think Diesel actually missed his cue because by the time he I'm sure. gets to the ring, Taker is almost already in the box. It's <laughs> You know what I think happened? I think I think Nash was backstage somewhere trying to figure out exactly like how to talk himself out of this. Quite honestly, he's like, "How do? Yeah, do I really? You've got like nine guys out there already. Do you really, Vince? Get the hell out there!" It's like, man, come on, I don't want to go out there and do that. And that's they just like, fine, I'll go. 
Um, Two old guys are going to make fun of me about this in 20 years. I just right. know it. <laughs> <laughs> um, at this point, by the way, this is really funny. My daughter, uh, my five-year-old Piper, um, asked me uh, if The Undertaker was a real human. Uh, and because I can't lie to my kid, I, I have to ask the, the, this following question. Um, Nash was afraid of pulling is pulling something. I think that was a little early for the pulling something, but we were on the right. Probably you, know, you couldn't wouldn't put it past him though. Um, but I had to tell Piper, it's like, do you want to know if he's real on this show or is he real in real life? Because they <laughs> they understand they understand work and shoot without having that answer. Um, so she's like. Well, what is what is he in real life? I'm like he's a real human, honey. Oh, on the show he's pretending like he's he's like a, a like a, a monster. Exactly, pipe pipe. You got it. <laughs> like so. Um, and th- now, from- now we're, we're at the part of the we're at the part of the show where Taker is no selling everyone's offense because he's just lying there right. on the ground. Right. No. No reaction to move. Like, uh, the, and, and at one point I did write down Bam Bam through the flying headbutt. I think maybe twice. The head shrinkers hit their like their splash at least a couple times, um, and yeah, absolutely, completely, just like just straight like bored right there, uh, like like you know my first girlfriend in high school like making out type of just not moving, not reacting, not anything. Um, I get what they were going for because this is right after the urn has lost all of its power, so the Undertaker, right. you know. But Jared drops an elbow on him as the first one to try anything, and Taker so doesn't move that you can right. actually see Jared like whip his head back to him as if to say, "Come on, guy." Like, <laughs> well, now in in Undertaker's defense, fuck Jeff Jarrett. Um, <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, fuck Jeff Jarrett. Really, really, he shouldn't shouldn't have sold it anyway. He could have been like full on ready to go, and he shouldn't have sold that. That would have been absolute. That was absolutely correct. Um. Uh. Yes. Yeah, so the beatdown. Um. Have they for you since you're watching it kind of while we're talking about this here? Have they put Taker back into the casket yet? No. They just did the really awesome three Samoan cross maneuver that when I was a kid I saw that for the first time and I was like, oh, that's that's rather interesting. I wonder what that means. But yeah, they just threw him in and Bam Bam slides over the top of it like a Thank giant that is exactly my next note. Bam Bam lays on it to keep Taker in, which I find absolutely hysterical. Like it's like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna dogpile this thing to make sure he's in there now. God damn it. And I think that's hysterical. Um Yeah, now the, the, the smoke starts pouring out of the, the casket in a little bit here, uh, which of course sends the heels scurrying away. because uh, right. they're all completely gone within like two minutes. It's like, yep, we won deuces and they're out the door. Um, which I absolutely think is, is hundred percent wonderful, but, um, uh, and then uh, let me know when you get to the part where Taker shows up on the screen, because that's obviously where this, where we really right. started this whole thing and why we picked this particular episode. Um, so here's this big dumb face. I just fast forwarded to it. There's this big dumb okay. face. I can never eat my peas or whatever that right. says. No, legitimately, I wrote in my notes here, Taker is speaking English, but I don't understand a word he's saying. Right. Um, he's, it's just like, it, it's like, it's, um, it's like he channeled the ultimate warrior for a second. It was, it's very much a warrior promo that we're, that we're dealing with here. And it's not pretty. Um, dealing with deconstructivity and all of that. Yes. Right. Um, I don't think he was concussed. I think that's the way he took the take. But yeah, yeah. He sounds, he I sounds mean, very worn. 
he could yeah take my advice at this point he's i think even maybe even the undertaker at this point was like what am i doing there's no way there's no way this is gonna go down in history what am i right but it does like and and i guarantee you when we're done with this we're both gonna put this way over like we're gonna put this over like the mantis i'm sure of it um (laughs) um, uh at the end of this uh taker um comes up ascends to the screen he's up on top of the screen for a second and then is ascended to heaven so he could be with whomever um too too many script changes could be um uh, now, my favorite thing is, and I, I, I meant to look this up to see if this was correct. Do you know who that was in the Undertaker get up on top of the on top of the screen? Well, if there's any justice in the world, it's somehow Brian Adams again. <laughs> it's not. It is not. Not Brian Adams. Interestingly enough, um, which makes this even funnier. Actually, uh, I do believe because obviously they were way up, and and nobody could really see who that was that was in there, or really get an idea of how truly tall that person was because they were going to float them away. Uh, right. I believe I read somewhere that's Marty Jannetty. <laughs> well, <coughs> you need somebody to get really high really fast. You call Marty there you go. Hey, is this girl 18? Should I? Oh, no, that's, that's Marty Jannetty now. Sorry. Um, Listen, this girl might be 18. She's also my biological daughter, but anyway. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, all in all, uh, and like I said, this and this was the lead up to the Rumble, by the way, so uh, the audience had to go from this into the Rumble, which, by the way, the first promo they show right after this match gets done and everything gets done to lead into the Rumble is Macho Man Randy Savage, which is like, okay, hold it. No, you need to, you should have picked somebody a little slower to start because this is I, like I, I wish too much. The, I wish the promo was the cream of the crop promo, too. Like, what if, what if the cream of the crop? How how great would it be to like accidentally have one of the greatest promos of all time following you know, following this pile of goo? How right. amazing that has been. But and now we're we're gonna make fun of it. We're gonna call it a pile of goo, but damn it, that was a wonderful pile. I think that's still a wonderful pile of goo. That is um sharp contrast. Oh yeah, sharp contrast. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, welcome sharp buddy going through the <laughs> ring pile. <laughs> but um, um I I, yeah, I, I gotta, loved I, gotta, I loved every second of this. I really did. It's so stupid. It's, it is. It's, it's space camp. It's Earth goes to camp. It's <laughs> it's every schlocky piece of garbage you watched as a kid, and it's so fucking good. God. Damn and here's here's my question, like for now, and I know this is going to definitely be the you know the kind of get off my lawn moment of this. <clears throat> with, and you're absolutely right, and and uh, my friend Paul just said that's why it's awesome, and you're absolutely right because it's schlocky, it's dumb, it's not, it's taking itself just seriously enough um, that like you believe there's a fight going on here and things going on, but it's just dumb enough that you're not like you're not getting too involved with it it's you know it's um it's definitely not like it's not a steak dinner by any stretch of the imagination no. but boy is this a but boy is this a damn good hamburger though um, <laughs> this is so, something this is something this is this match is what you do when you're on a very strict diet and somebody comes over to your house that you haven't seen in 20 years or whatever and they're like hey man I brought, you know, some Wagyu beef or some shit. 
and I know you don't eat meat anymore, but we're going to sit down and we're going to make steaks. And you look at them and you go, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're going to do this. Yeah. And then you have a great time. So let, let me ask you this. What, what could they do nowadays? Uh, and because, and there are certain things of, of wrestling nowadays that I, I do enjoy. Um, you know, NXT, AEW, things like that are great. I know that sounds very smarky of me to, to obviously yeah. immediately name drop those two. Um, but independent wrestling isn't a thing right now, um, which is obviously where my my brand is tend, tends to be buttered a bit here. Mm-hmm. What what? So looking at this and and how much we truly enjoyed this like this piece of you know. Uh, what is this is like this is this b movie match that we just had here yeah what can they do to pick up this bo- th- this type of situation and move it to today can I can think, wwe I, I think they've already done it i think i think the original the the uns the uh the the cinematic match uh the last uh what you call it the casket the crypt match what the hell was that from wrestlemania uh the boneyard the boneyard match boneyard match Yes. So the boneyard match was so the boneyard match was much closer to this than the other um, one, which was the uh, Funhouse Firefly Funhouse match. Right. The Firefly Funhouse was so heady that it wasn't it wasn't this level of dumb. Undertaker right. magically teleporting behind AJ Styles in a very stupid, surreal, wonderfully garbage moment. That's as close as you're going to get to this level of, oh, my God, this is dumb. Give me more. Right. That I think we're going to get in a long time. Can I say one thing about the Boneyard and the, uh, and the Firefly Funhouse match? And this is the one thing. I loved, I loved both of them um, for completely different reasons, um, which obviously because they're two completely different matches. I truly wish, since they did WrestleMania in two days, that they switched the placement of those two matches. Oh, absolutely! No, no, absolutely. I, I wish, I wish that the boneyard match closed night two. I wish that was the closer for the because I think if they had closed night two with that match instead, and I, listen, don't get me wrong, I know what they were trying to do. They wanted to have, um, you know, Brock lose was gonna was gonna be a big thing, and to give McIntyre like his WrestleMania moment. Um, but I, I really think that that should have closed that should have closed the show. Um, I just think that would have been a, would have been a better closer. I thought it would have, have left a really good taste. Plus, Undertaker riding off on the motorcycle to close the WrestleMania, I think would have been would have been the way to go. So, oh, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I I think what they could have done there, um, what they did actually for me anyway, what they did with Undertaker and AJ is they showed that they can still have the character. Yes. All the- the wrestler was incapable of doing the match. Like right. the Undertaker, the Undertaker in the Boneyard match is, I'm gonna make you famous, boy. Like I, right. I watched that match and I was like, yeah, that's the guy I remember as a kid. And I don't exactly. see him lumbering around the ring and having Roman Reigns hold him up while he spears him three or four times. I want to see lightning shooting out of his hands, and I want to see a burnt version of his brother showing up and throwing fireballs. <laughs> You know, he's an undead wizard from, from Nevada. Like, give me that. Right. That's what I want. He is an undead cowboy cowboy biker wizard. Uh, yeah. Just with with magical powers. It's a wonderful. So, 
So, do you think they could catch that? Do you think they could catch a similar lightning with Bray? I mean, I know they've been, and I haven't seen the the most recent match with them. Yeah, with the the one with with um. No, no, no. It, it's never it's never going to work. Um, well, that's not true. It it can work, but it has to be so incredibly one hundred percent that if you go if you take your foot off the pedal just for a moment you lose everything. When you go right. back and you this the Undertaker didn't just lose a casket match. It took 10 men a, and 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 uh uh and his urn to be opened up and plume out smoke and then he resurrected himself and fired off fireworks on the top of a stage. Right. When are we going to do that again? When will right. we ever do that again? We should it, though. There there yeah. should be there should be a reason for something stupid like this again. I just that's sort of the problem is, you know, shows like AEW and, and NXT have brought us such great, amazing modern wrestling that I don't know if there is a place for this level of chicanery anymore. Couldn't allow that. What? I mean... what was the, I missed the comment. What was that one? Uh, it was a long uh, one, though. Uh, I fear Wyatt is better when he's unscripted. WWE doesn't do unscripted. His clean promo is empty COVID with an empty COVID crowd. Um, I don't even know if it's the COVID situation because again, Broneyard match happened during COVID. I think I think it's possible. I think fun is absolutely possible. Yeah. I just I don't I don't think they have anything on deck right now that is this zany and over the top. I think they had right. it with the fiend. But then they went even further than they should have. You know, the, the the Hell in the Cell match was so unforgivable that there's no coming back from it. And, right. and it was unforgivable for a number of reasons. The worst of it was you had, you know, you had Fiend pop up and pop up and pop up and pop up and, and then he didn't win anyway. So what what was the point? Do they still plan two years out? The wrestlers can be spontaneous. I, I don't. I don't know how far they plan out. That's the funny thing is, I don't know how far they plan out anymore. No. Um, no, and, I and I was actually, I was actually very interesting. I was listening to an art. I was listening to an interview recently. Um, I actually went and found an old um, Stone Cold podcast with um, Dusty Rhodes, and they were talking about like old time wrestling where they used to um, have a big uh, like calendar that Vince and I guess Vince and Pat, or no, pardon me. It wasn't, I apologize. It was not the interview we had with Dusty. It was an interview we had with Scott Hall. Um, and I guess back in like the time frame when Scott was razor and, and, and Steve was coming in as the ringmaster, they had a big um, like calendar that, Vince and Pat would, I guess, Vince and Pat Patterson would like sit by the pool at Vince's house and plan out a year's worth of stuff and pencil it in. And then in the event that somebody got injured or something, they could obviously erase and make some adjustments from there on what they were going to do and, and play it, you know, kind of play it by the year from there. But they would have an entire year's worth of stuff planned out. And I don't know if they do that anymore. Um Partially because so, I just feel like maybe they have too many. Maybe there's too many, too many chefs in the kitchen some days. Um, maybe, just with maybe, the with the large amount of writers they have. Um, maybe there's not enough. Maybe there's you know the direction that they have is too much. I don't know. Right. So I don't know. And then I feel like they're constantly, from what I'm hearing, they're constantly trying to, um, like you know, they're you've got this writing staff who 
based off of the people you have should be cranking out amazing shows who are then having to deal with the whims of whatever makes Vince happy. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to tell Vince no, because he was right about right. so many things for so long. Sure. And I think, you know, we also have a number of different situations befalling us. I think right now is the best time for them to pull something like this off again. Um, the horror show at uh, uh, the last In Your House or whatever the hell pay-per-view they just had. Um, very Lucha Underground-esque, actually. Yes, um, I think Lucha Underground with Matanza, Cueto, is the closest we'll ever get to that. You know, the man was supposed to be this gigantic, larger-than-life monster who ate people and things like that. Turned out he was Jeff Cobb, still kind of a big right. guy. But, Cobbs is am- amazing, by the way. But the- oh, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, that's the level of production that you need if you want to pull off this level of schlock. And if you can do, and, and you know, look at look at our best friend Zach. Zach Romero is the king of pulling off amazing schlock, or discussing it, or right. viewing it, or explaining why it can be good. Um, you know, there's you have you, you you aim for Vincent Price, and then you hope to maybe miss and sort of land on a uh, trauma. And but as long right. as you're in that neighbor in that neighborhood, and why can't I think of the um, Pink Flamingos director, John Waters? John Waters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can get John Waters. You can get Vincent Price. You can get Troma. If you if you get there, I think you've nailed it. I think you've got it. I don't see anyone in Vince McMahon's House of Maniacs being able to pull that off right now. I just right. I don't I don't know who could do it. So you know what? And I, I'm gonna give credit to another company who who has I think has actually done it fairly successfully. Um and it's schlocky and it's ridiculous. But I've watched a bunch of it, and it's been a lot of fun. If you, uh, uh, and this company, you know, the company is the, the company that's like the Energizer Bunny company, who never damn well dies. But God bless you, Impact. Yeah, you're still out there. But the stuff that you've done with Rosemary and Allie before she left, obviously for AEW, and Sue Young and Sinister Minister, um, and all these people that they've worked with, are absolutely the schlockiest, like weirdest, cheesiest type of stuff you've ever seen. But holy crap, when you get into it, it's absolutely amazing. And they've proven they can do it before uh, with all the stuff that they did with um, uh, Chelsea Green was amazing in that too. Thank you. Uh, I I did forget to mention Chelsea Green was definitely a part of that as well when she was doing her like, you know, crazy left at the altar type of uh, type of thing. Um, but well, um, she, I, I hear you. I hear you. And I think they get away with it for two reasons. One, they're on a they're, nobody knows what channel they're on. You can't. Right. It. It's, it's impossible. And two, they're looking around and they're saying, you know, this is an entire generation of wrestlers who are now in control that are all between 33 and 43. So every right. one of them is me and you. Every single right. one of these wrestlers is me and you. And they're like, you know what? 40, I, remember, 44. I remember this. Well, you know what I mean. I remember what this is. I know what I want to see. I know what I'm looking for. And I'm going, in Impact's case, I'm going to cater specifically to the golden guys. I want you to right. know that if you, if you want to find some silly, ridiculous, zany, cinder block to the face wrestling, Come on down, Hoss. Sit down. 
watch some ridiculousness. I'm sorry that NWA power ended up being run by Nazis. It's too bad, but we still have us come sit. Right. I have a spot on the couch. Uh, ring, and I just saw in the comments, somebody mentioned ring of honor and all of this, uh, ring of honor. Um, you know what the, the funniest part about uh, Ring of Honor was is Ring of Honor had the exact same problem that a company like Combat Zone did for the exact opposite reason. Um, Combat Zone tried to follow up ECW yeah. with like, you know, oh, it's the violence and stuff like that. And um, they, I think, a little too late tried to shift gears when they realized that that wasn't really a draw anymore. Uh, and ring of honor did the exact opposite. They were, were serious business wrestling, which was great at the beginning because it was ex- exactly the opposite of what ECW was, it's what people were wanting. That's like, we don't want the, the crazy violent stuff anymore. We want wrestling and ring of honor gave that to you with some decent storylines and great characters and like, but they never shifted either. Um, and right. now we're we're dealing with what we have now it's because they they weren't they didn't they didn't they didn't evolve um, and right. both so both those companies quite honestly if at one point and they did for a little while Ring of Honor and Combat Zone were actually working together um, to do like Cage of Death and things like that um, if they had kept that momentum going with the two of them and kind of found that happy middle ground between both those companies and maybe kept working together they could have they could have had something there um, but. Uh, Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor is a is a tale that's told a hundred times <laughs> over. That they had it, they were they were an inch away for they were the number two promotion for a little while. They really truly were. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Ring of Honor was the second most important belt in the world, maybe outside of Japan. Um, definitely, <clears throat> but they got they got trapped in their own propaganda, as so yeah. many people do. And I remember watching the first pure wrestling title match and thinking, man, this is really amazing. And then I mm-hmm. watched the fourth pro wrestling title match, pure wrestling title match. And I said, man, this is boring as fuck. Somebody hit somebody with a chair. Give me a goddamn break. <laughs> so uh, I did see somebody ask uh, if uh, should John Gresham be a superstar? Uh, yes, he should. Gresham should be. And so should his wife or girlfriend. Are they married now? No, I don't um, know. I haven't read his most recent book. Uh, yeah, but because he's the one that's dating. Um, uh, um, oh God, bless America! Why am I blanking on her name? Not even um, me a, Gr- a Grisham joke, really. I, I must be better <laughs> than I play. It no, because I, I, it's because I immediately tried to think of his wife because he's he's dating and or married to um, the former Impact Women's Champion. Um, and I tried to get her on the show once. Thick Mama Pump. She's the one that had the oh, book yeah, with. I was going to say, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh God, now I can't. Grace something. Uh, Jordan Grace. Thank you. Oh. No, not Kim. No, not Kim Kardashian. That was that's Kanye, and that's that. We're not starting that conversation. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to briefly start that conversation just while oh, it's on my. In my no, no, two, two. No, I'm going to make this one two seconds here um, because I, I have had. Dealings in my life with people who are bipolar and things like that. Um, it's been very close to my, to my life recently, um, and it's been a, a very difficult thing to, to deal with, and I'm not going to go deep into my own personal life on that one. But what Kanye is doing is 
a bipolar mania moment. I can, I, I can see it because I've dealt with it in my own life as well. And everybody, leave him alone. Le- I, le- I know they won't leave him alone. No, no, no. He- somebody needs to get somebody like, I think it was actually Dave Chappelle got on a plane to go find him and sit on him and say, dude, we need to get you help. Right. Like, that's what he needs. He doesn't need more yes men. True. Right. No, and the problem is, is when you're dealing with a situation like this, sometimes getting the person to understand they need help is the hardest thing in the world. Absolutely. And, and, and that's why I'm saying, no, for, for his family and the like, don't leave him alone. Keep, keep doing what you're doing. I'm talking you, General John Q. Public, leave him the hell alone. Just yeah. leave him be. And leave, and leave Will Smith alone, too. Holy crap. Um, but anyway, um, but anyway, so, uh, but yes, Gresham, Gresham, Gresham should be a star. Jordan Gray should, Jordan Gray should be a star. Um, there's the show. This is the show, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. It's two old yeah. men who have many things to say. And That's they right. Only have an, they only have a short amount of time to do it. That's right. So you're going to listen um, to Oscar. But yeah, but that's the uh, but yeah. There, there's a bunch of people that that should be that I think could be stars. Um, I, I love the fact that Eddie Kingston showed up on AEW this week, and and AEW should sign him in a second. Um, so I'm old. You're not. I'm older than you. Don't even try. Um, but um, 44 this year. But um, but yeah. So anyway, the Undertaker match. Let's. But now that we've really oh, that sidetracked thing. the that, that thing. Uh, all in all. It, um, out of uh, out of uh, out of the uh, let's do a five cheesecake rating since we're the golden guys. How many how many slices of cheesecake do you, do you give this one? This isn't fair. Like this this is this match is impossible to grade. It is both five cheesecakes and negative five cheesecakes. <laughs> it, it is it is at once the single best and single worst moment in pro wrestling. There is nothing that better defines mid-90s WWF than Undertaker Yoko with The Undertaker dying. There is there is absolutely no better way to explain this other than it is an infinite cake. In that, it, 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 it's actually, no, it's not infinite. It is Schrodinger's cake. This is Schrodinger's cheese. <laughs> I, want, I still want a Schrodinger's cheesecake. I think we lost we once again lost uh, our buddy the Reed Pile here. I love the reference though, and I'm going to slowly kind of work on ending this until he calls back in to, to close out the show. Uh, Schrodinger's cheesecake. Uh, I, I think I will uh, agree with that uh, that type of situation here. Uh, that that Schrodinger's cheesecake is indeed a correct and proper answer to that one. It is both the greatest thing and the worst thing in the world. Uh, <laughs> Rick, you're I back wish, on. I wish uh, I had timed that properly. I wish I could lay claim that that was perfect. It wasn't. It's just my life. <laughs> so, but yeah, no. I think Schrodinger's cheesecake is probably the best answer in the world for this one. It's a hundred percent correct. Um, it is both the greatest thing and the worst thing in the world. Uh, but I, like I said, I don't care. I loved it. Um, so, so be it. Uh, that's that's definitely the uh, the case on that one. So, uh, Rick, uh, I'm going to steal slightly from the IndyCast here. This is the uh, part of the show that we like. The, we will lovingly refer to as. Get your shit in. So uh, yes. why don't you put yourself over for a minute, my friend? Oh, all right, because I have no idea what this is like. So uh, I am, of course, uh, as you can see in the upper left-hand corner of your screen, uh, I have a podcast. Uh, no, uh, other side, I'm sorry. Uh, my left, you're right. There we go. 
Uh, I have a podcast <laughs> and I do live every Sunday on at the Read Pile, uh, and it is a comic book review show. We discuss uh, things nerdy in the comic book world and then actually review the comics. That is quite literally on our Read Pile for the week. Uh, I am also a member of Team Hammerfist uh, with our good friend uh, Jesse Long, a member of the Wrestling Nerd Radio Network, of course. And if you want to follow me at the Read Pile or at Team Hammerfist, or if you want to follow someone who actually has something interesting to say you could follow my wife at l sussman she is actually someone who you know has things to say that aren't dumb <laughs> new wwf figures give you the savage power of the macho man guarantee fury of the hitman the fire of the dragon and the might of the bulldog the undertaker will bury those stiffs not with these wwf figures quite a while check out those pythons sergeant slaughter's invading boston's laying down the wall it's lights out new wwf figures got the power the power of the wwf give me the power of Hulkamania. the knockout punch of virgil the only absolute fire reps and the madness of the macho man collect new wwf figures now <laughs>